Today's Good Podcast is brought to you by the Pod Bros Podcasting Network, with an ever-growing library of podcasts ranging from sports, wrestling, comic books, hunting. You are sure to find the podcast for you. Welcome, everybody, to this spooky edition <laughs> of uh, Kapowcast. Tony has his monster voice on today. Um, Completely by choice. <laughs> all right, once again, I am Mike. I will be steering this disaster of a show. With me, as always, is a sick Tony Vance. Yes, hello. I'm going to take it easy today. Yeah, you get winded easy now yep. with the congestion. <laughs> the river of slime. Yeah. <laughs> Across from him, returning is Mikey. I'm back. <laughs> and next to him is our good friend Cody. Hello. So we're going to kick off this <laughs> special Halloween edition of the show. We're going to discuss the film The Crow a little bit later. But first, I uh, had this idea right before we started recording that we should probably look back on Halloween's past and maybe discuss some of our favorite superhero costumes that, that we were growing up. Because I know we were superheroes. I know, <laughs> I know it happened. We, we like tight pants too much for not, to not be superheroes. Yes. Um, I was Mozart for 10 years straight. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, you said you were a lot of superheroes. What were yeah. uh, <clears throat> the most recent one that I can remember? I was... Uh, I was uh, I'm not very slim Spider-Man. <laughs> I was not cut out. It was the nylon, you know, fabric. You can stretch yeah. Spider-Man's costume as far as it'll go. I had plenty of runners and stuff. I looked like I had just fought the lizard, you know, Spider-Man. <laughs> also, uh, All tore up. I just, yeah, I was not doing too good um, diet-wise. Those New York chili dogs. One I was, and I don't know where my line of thinking was when I picked this costume, because this was at the age where I could pick my own costumes. I, for oh, some, by the way, I was like uh, 16. <laughs> I was, that changes everything. Legitimately, I thought you were going to say this was like two years ago. So. No. <clears throat> yeah, it was a while ago, but it was still like, you know, a, a young lot. adult. I, sh- I should have known better. But. Was it was it right when like the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans were coming out? No. Because no, I had, I actually before. found um, a suit around that time uh-huh. too in the store and I bought the suit and I didn't wear it in public. 
Yeah. When I dress up as Spider Man in my in well, my, you know was what? That for my the lady? idea? No, for oh, the like costume was. I, I forgot to mention this. Um, I I did run around in the costume just to be goofy, but um, I wore it underneath my clothes at school and at work. <laughs> oh no! Because <laughs> I, I was telling people that I was uh, I was uh, Peter Parker, and I you know the costume oh, was underneath okay. my uh, clothes. And it was just sticking out everywhere. I don't know if you remember Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm yeah. sorry, Mr. Aziz, there was a disturbance. And he pushes his uh, glove or mask back into his pocket. It was just a little um, nod to that sort of thing. Like, the sleeves were sticking out of my uh, short sleeve t-shirts and stuff. And you could see the costume underneath. And the pocket Cody's mask was looking really eager over here. I have to say, okay, now I didn't know you back then, but I've seen pictures of you. And I am picturing in my head Duke Nukem... In a Spider-Man costume. Oh, you had that yeah. that blonde hair, spiked straight up. I was Super uh, Saiyan hair. Yeah, I you were Super was, Saiyan uh, uh, Spider-Man. 17 or 18 after... Yeah, yeah, that was around the time I really got into Power Man 5000. You were the weird kid at school, and, weren't you? Oh, I was... I'm <laughs> I mean, the we weird all were. kid everywhere. You guys saw <laughs> that. One, uh, uh, yeah, I had went through this phase where I thought, oh, I might look <coughs> good with, like, spiked Super Saiyan hair. What uh, did. I was, for one year, it was uh, after Batman Forever came out, I decided they had, uh, at the Halloween store, they had a really cool Robin costume. So I was Robin. Robin? And looking back, like, the costume was really, really stupid. I remember. Because what they had was, it was like a, just like, you know how a lot of Halloween costumes, it's like a, a, almost like a onesie and it ties in the back. Yeah. So it was like that, but then it had this, because it wanted to try to capture the... Uh, rubber nipples, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the uh, muscular features that the yeah. the costumes had. Uh-huh. There was this weird, like plastic shell oh. that oh, you yeah. tied on to the front. Uh-huh. They did that all the those time. Those got popular. It just wow. looked really, See, really weird. My Spider-Man costume was just a nylon uh, painted, just a webbed, you know, Spider-Man suit. But later on, when they when the movies came out and stuff, they started putting muscles, like yeah. Yeah. muscles in the costume, and even that weird shell, so it made Spider Man look like Captain America or something. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I wasn't going for that look at all. I was also, uh, I was also Indiana Jones too. Really? Yeah. As a it kid, was, I did not yeah. know that. I was in, I think, uh, fifth or sixth grade. I gotta see that. And uh, there's no pictures. Um, I had the what? I had the jacket the the I, everything I bought I actually bought from a secondhand store. Oh, um, you started out early. Yeah, and well, that's a lot of the things uh, growing up like the the Robin costume. The fact that that was a store bought costume was pretty astounding because most of our Halloween costumes were always homemade right. because mm-hmm. that was like the mm-hmm. best way to have an accurate Halloween costume was to yeah. do it homemade and Tony. I know you. <laughs> yeah. I know you are an expert. Yep. And there's one costume particularly that comes to mind. It's not it's not your Iron Man one. Oh. It's the Ghostbusters one. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have photos yeah. we could show you, and I think I'll throw them on the video for this, but yes. Oh, yeah. Some impressive works you do. I used to always sit down and uh, plan out what I was going to make, you know, Halloween costumes, and uh, I never got around to it, and then the week before Halloween, I would just run out and buy something. And uh, I was several superheroes. Like I said, I was a Ninja Turtle for two years. I was a Ninja Clans, Turtle as well. Yep, Hello. same here. And uh, <laughs> this is really embarrassing, but I was a little kid, mind you. I think I was like 11 or 12. I was, and he uh, was April. And I was the mask. 
I was the Jim Carrey version <laughs> of the mask. Yeah. That's not yeah. that bad. I that think, was cool. I think my Robin costume is far more embarrassing <laughs> than that. Yeah. Um, I, was also, I was also a Ninja Turtle, but once again, this goes back to we would, you know, do our costumes homemade for the mm-hmm. most part. And if not, you know, there was a lot of us growing up, so money was always tight. So I remember I was a Ninja Turtle, and I had these Ninja Turtle pajamas. So essentially, all I did was I wore the Ninja Turtle pajamas that had, like, the front of the turtle yeah, on okay. it. okay. And then uh, my mom bought us uh, Ninja Turtle masks, like these yeah, really cool rubber that. masks. And I remember I was Leonardo, and my brother, I believe, was Raphael. Was and, it the uh, mask that came with the plastic turtle? It wasn't plastic. Beef? It was rubber. It was it was a rubber, rubber mask. It was the whole mask was rubber. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. yeah That's what yeah. I had too. Yeah, I got that one. Oh, that that was a good time. I wish wasn't I still, cheap. I wish I still had those pajamas. I would probably try to still. You wear could them. probably still wear them. <laughs> but I was uh, when I was very young. I was uh, Superman for several years in a row. I just like just, Superman pajamas. I uh, growing when I was a child, my security blanket was a uh, DC Comics uh, action figure of uh, Superman back in the 80s. Those, uh, you squeeze the legs. Yeah. The arms. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so I had that. Uh, I always had to have that with me and I was always Superman for like I think two years old to five or something and then mm-hmm. I moved on to being a princess for a couple of years. <laughs> Cody, were you any... Uh, uh, I was a Ninja Turtle for quite a few years. Um uh, the, the reuse. One, yeah, yeah. It was uh, <laughs> one of those uh, where, you, you know, you go to Joanne Fabrics and they, like, give you a sewing kit for... Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a sewing kit turtle, so it kind of made me look like one of those uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade floats where it's all popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the coolest one, looking back now, is uh, I was Godzilla. What? Yeah, I had a Godzilla costume. My no mom way. made it, but you could tell it was because it had those weird uh, spines, so it was definitely yeah. Godzilla. And there's a whole bunch of photos where, you know, old photos have the little time stamp on them. And I wore it for Halloween, and then there's like a six-month period of photos of me where I was always wearing the Godzilla costume. (laughs) (laughs) I apparently loved it when I was, God, I must have been like five or six. And I don't think I'd seen a Godzilla movie I would have been Godzilla at that age, too, if I'd known that. I wish I could have been like like Luke Skywalker one year or something. That would have been a really cool costume. I would have liked to have been Darth Vader. Actually, I would still probably... If I could find a Darth Vader costume, I would show up somewhere as Darth Vader. I don't particularly like Star Wars, but I will wear a Stormtrooper outfit. It just seems like it adds a whole bunch of things you could do in society. You I know, just I walking around Boba wearing Fett. A, Yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, that would be cool. Was there Charge any other, our uh, banks, yeah. Any other costumes you had, Tony? Well, Should when we? I was younger? Yeah. I was trying to remember. I remember being a uh, Raphael. That's for sure. I think we were, so we were all at one point in Ninja Turtle. (laughs) Yeah. That's good to know. Were we all different? Were we all the turtles? Donatello. You were who? I was Leonardo. Leonardo. I was Ralph. Donatello. And I was Michelangelo. Yeah. (laughs) Go figure. Pizza time. Um, (laughs) We did it. And it really shows our, um... Personalities. Personalities. I guess so, because I bet it was probably the same year, too. Uh, Your Robin costume. Mm Mm-hmm. I was Batman. Oh. <laughs> but I made sure to like the utility belt had to be on point. I had to have my batarangs. See, I, you were an yeah. anal retentive little I, kid. I was. I, I couldn't I be that anal retentive. I just, you know. <laughs> my brother well, the and I made uh, Batman costumes when the 89 Batman movie came out with Michael Keaton. Uh, he built a uh, the mask, the cowl and everything 
and it looked exactly like Michael Keaton's mask. The uh, I remember uh, everything. My brother, I remember uh, very, very vividly. I remember uh, Halloween night. My mom helping do like his makeup and everything because he went as the Joker. And oh. I, I can't remember fully what it looked like, but I think it looked pretty good at the time. Uh, it was before people were like buying like the stuff to actually make you know yeah. the Jack Nicholson like uh, features. But it was, it was it was yeah it was a good time. I, yeah, I remember. We it was another homemade costume. Faces as uh, Jack Nicholson Joker, and we put um, I think cotton balls in our mouths to kind of push out yes. the features of the Joker. Oh. There's yeah. uh, tutorials I've seen where if you like you want to be two faced There's this one where it, it involves hooking stuff behind your ear. And yeah. clasping it, so it kind of hooks yeah. you around, so it gives you this oh, really okay. uh, fucked up look. Um, another that homemade... That would be so uncomfortable. It would. I don't understand how people could do that. It, no. Another homemade costume I had, which was, I think this might have been one of the last times I went out as Halloween, is uh, I was actually the crow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which... It really sucked at the time because this was probably around 97, 98, something like that. They thought you were trench coat mafia. No. <laughs> uh, you know, I had, I, had the, I had the coat. I had the all black, you know, the face paint. I had gotten a wig. I went over to my friend's house at the time. And my, uh, his brother came in and looked at me and he was like, who are you? Are you, uh, Jesus, are you Sting? <laughs> the the uh, professional wrestler, because at the time he actually adopted like uh, yeah the crow look. Oh yeah, I and so his, everybody uh... thought I was this wrestler, but I was actually I was actually supposed to see the crow. <laughs> yeah, I remember just... Sting switching over. He used to be very colorful, like uh, yeah yeah bleach blonde. He or actually um, or something. He actually real quick. He uh, he is the one that owns the rights to the name Sting. And he told really? he told the artist uh, Sting that he could keep using the name if he sent him a dollar every year. <laughs> just a dollar? Yeah, just a dollar. That's, That's it. really generous. Wow. So this leads kind of leads us into our next topic. So he probably um, owes him like twenty more dollars. Yeah, probably every year. Uh, of the Crow, which is a fantastic movie to watch on or around Halloween, maybe on Devil's Night, since a lot of this stuff takes yeah. place on Devil's Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick before we jump into this. I think uh, all of us did, actually. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> a, it's a comic book-based uh, movie written by James O'Barr. Real kind of kooky cat, James Local O'Barr. Local guy, though. Local guy, but really kind of kooky. Um, he was adopted. Uh, oh, he that said is. that <clears throat> when he was born... Um, his mother actually didn't even quite know when his birthday was because she was so drunk. <laughs> it, was, it was somewhere between December, whatever, and January, whatever. So, so she was you mean like thirty first, the first? Yeah, between like, sometime oh, between like I mean, Christmas and New Year's, basically. Wait, oh, I bender. was thinking like maybe eleven fifty nine or midnight. No, no. so no, She's like this like, like a day a whole week or something. So basically, they decided that he was going to be a New Year's baby. Um, needless to say, he ended up going into foster care. Um, he was a very quiet kid. He said when, uh, the way he was just kind of brought up was to just kind of keep to yourself. Um, 
uh, the comic book, which I know I've read, Cody, you said you've read it. Yep. I don't know if either, either of you two have read it. I read it. Um, the, his drawing style, everything he's drawn, he is completely 100% self-taught. Yeah. He wow. failed. Yeah, he, um, he actually failed art class, which is a very common thing for people that are good at art. People sometimes would look at drawings I do like, oh, you must be amazing in art. Not really. And it, it's basically the same thing he says that, you know, he said he wasn't trying to sound uh, cocky, but when he was drawing in these art classes, they would basically give him, like, cones and stuff. And he didn't want to draw all this, like, you know, entry-level shit, basically, because mm-hmm. he was already, you know, far beyond them. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, his uh, parents actually discouraged him from drawing. They wanted him to go out and interact, so he actually didn't have a lot of time to draw to himself because his parents didn't see the benefit of it. They looked at it as like almost you know playing cards. It's just something you do. It's nothing you can... Yeah. Make money off of or anything like that. That uh, really. Are we talking about hampered. the guy who wrote The Crow or are we talking yeah. about Van Gogh? The guy who wrote The Crow. I was just going <laughs> to say, is this Albert Einstein? Because <laughs> Einstein was treated the same way. Yeah. He was uh, discouraged um, or uh, when he was trying to get a job right after he graduated, mm-hmm. uh, his teachers were actually sending letters to the people he was trying to get hired by and discouraging them from hiring him, saying he was not a hard worker. He barely graduated. Yeah, a hell of a, a reference. Fitness, um, physics, yeah, as a physicist. Like, Fat, theoretical now, physics. Just like, did he work and here from so and so? Yeah, he was depressed for a long time and worked in a patent office. And, yeah, um, that's actually kind of where he started thinking. <laughs> uh, he became Einstein. Yeah. Fast forward to uh, James O'Barr's high school years. He actually had finally met a girl that was basically his counterpoint. You know, where he was a very cynical individual, um, very, uh, you know, wise-ass about things. She would see the good in everybody. You know, if he had something smarky to say about a person, she would essentially point out their good flaws. So basically, this it was a great dynamic. And they had made plans. They were going to get married after high school. Um, oh, boy. Unfortunately, she was killed by a drunk driver. Wow. And that sounds like the plot of something. <laughs> Essentially, this just set him into a complete self-destruct mode because, I mean, who, uh, at that point, who wouldn't be? Um, he started writing The Crow around... <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, 1981 um, as a way to sort of deal with all these emotions that he was feeling through this terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, he, would, he would only sit down, he can only do a couple pages at a time because it was like, as he said, it, it was like picking at a scar, picking at a mm-hmm. scab. It would just be so emotionally draining for him that he can only do a few. In turn, this resulted in it taking him nine years to finish this book. Wow. Uh, the issue started being released in 1989, uh, he actually was, it was uh, independently pu- published by Caliber Comics uh, that was started by somebody uh, in the area, a gentleman in the area, that he would go to a local comic book store and he sort of helped fund it and push out all these independent books. You said when he started in 1981, 
uh, creating the Crow comic, did he uh, go to a publisher and tell them this and no. then lead them on for nine years? No. <laughs> he, uh, be... he originally had no intention on okay. publishing it. This okay. was something personal to him for him to cope wow. with everything he had lost. That's nuts. Okay. Um, so the, the book comes out. It ends up being a huge hit. Uh, people are loving it. I'm sorry, but, uh, like, it's, I've always, like, Crow's been always, like, in the back of my mind. I've known about it and stuff like that. Like, what was its impact? I mean, when the movie came out, it was, I remember being big. It had, you know, the huge soundtrack and everything. Yeah, yeah. But Um, the comic itself was See, Mike, this is what happens when you tell a story. Just gonna (laughs) ask. Um, but, uh, Brandon Lee and the director of the movie were actually huge fans of the comic book before the movie, which actually helped production along, because originally when he went and a, a studio wanted to publish it or put out a movie for it, originally they said that they, uh, they had the idea, well, what do you think about it being like a, we can make it like a musical what? And we'll have Michael Jackson in the lead role. <laughs> what? Yes. This I want to see that. I actually want to see that. <laughs> this is a literal thing. If anyone listening to this oh is currently gosh. working on the remake, scrap what you have and go with this. Oh. Well, Michael Jackson's not dead, I, was say, so. I don't know if they're going to get MJ. Tito. Get Tito. Did He's not doing Did you see Moonwalker? Anything. You remember the Moonwalker movie? It scared the shit out of me. Joe Pesci? Uh, Yeah. So essentially, when uh, Brandon Lee and the director came on, that's when everything kind of got back on track with the movie. Okay. Because when the studio came to him with that idea, he was just basically like, well, he told them, why the fuck did you even buy the rights? If you don't even, you're not even going to keep any of the integrity of the story. Which makes sense. Kudos to him for that. Who, who released it? The what movie? Studio? Yeah. I believe it was Dimension. Okay. Dimension films. Um, Someone say that angle of the whole let's change everything sounds like Warner Brothers. No, no, yeah, <laughs> it, it wasn't. It was a uh, Lionsgate Entertainment. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Um, Is it? It's been a while since I saw the movie, so I don't. I believe because I I can always remember seeing the credits. Dimension. <clears throat> yeah, I forget. Is yeah, maybe they the um. Uh, there's always like a uh, what a distributor and a yeah financer or something. So maybe yeah they um, yeah it says here production company Dimension Films, distributed by Miramax Films. Once again, well, I reiterate, I watched this movie like a billion times. He's when the I was fucking in high expert school. on it. Okay, so this is your Spider-Man um, too. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um, <coughs> I actually had, had ended up purchasing do you have this one on Blu-ray. I do not. Damn it, he stole my question. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had uh, purchased this movie, or purchased the comic book, a long time after the movie came out. Because uh, I didn't start getting into the movie until like I saw it, I think, in, like when I was in like, seventh grade. The movie came out in 94. Yeah. I bought the comic book, and to my shock and all, the comic book is fucking complete. Not completely, but I would say it's a lot different. It still has the same... Point the same focus, the same character, a lot of the same characters, but I was gonna. There's ask, so much more to <clears> it. Uh, just right off the bat, how did the uh, creator of the comic uh, uh, respond to the movie? Because the, every time something is he, transferred to movie form or video game form, there's always something's got to be changed. It doesn't uh, transfer. He liked right. it. He uh, to my he he enjoyed it. Um, 
I feel like he, because this interview it happened in that I watched with him happened in like two thousand. So this would have been after some of the sequels came out. And I think is what he's kind of alluding to, like people asking him, like, you know, well, what do you think they're doing about uh, your, you know, your book? It's like he quoted somebody else. I can't remember who, but he said they're not doing anything to my book. My book's still right fucking there on the shelf. They're not doing anything to it. He does sell wings from Downriver. We're <laughs> <laughs> um, a tough crowd down here. Yes. Down River is a suburb of Detroit where this uh, movie <laughs> takes place. So I think that's kind of why there's more of a connection to it. We, you know, they mention, you know, 75. Well, actually, the accident happened supposedly off of, well, not I don't know about the real life accident, but in the comic book, uh, the girl was killed on 75. Yeah, in the comic really? book, their, um, wow. their car breaks down. Yeah. And that's when the gang intercepts them yeah. and murders them. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I remember a little bit. And they have... Uh, the white gang living in Detroit, by the way. <laughs> Interesting totally enough, um, the names of all the gang members in the book, he actually took the names from graffiti he saw around Detroit. Mm. And uh, What were the names again? There was T-Bird, Tintin, uh, Fun Boy. Um, what was the leader? Top Dollar. Top, yeah. Uh, but, uh... Huh. <laughs> and there's even panels in the book to which he said that he drew their literal, their actual places in Detroit that he drew in the comics. He says, you know, a lot of them aren't there anymore mm-hmm. because they've been abandoned, they demolished it, they put in like the uh, casino <laughs> stuff. There's a lot of fields wherever yeah. he uh, drew <laughs> now. Yeah. But uh, the movie, um, although it, it wasn't a direct interpretation of the comic book, it still had the. It still got the point across. It still had the same elements. It kept all the important parts intact, um, and I, I put it in. I watched it a couple days ago, and you know sometimes you look back on movies in certain ways. You're like, am I gonna catch? Maybe I'll catch something I didn't miss, or maybe there'll be something that you know I didn't realize before, and I don't kind of like about it now. The movie is exactly how I remember it. Everything about it, I mean, even to, like, some of the, the shoddy effects, which I had caught even in 98, it's still, even though the effects aren't great, the fact that it's a good, compelling story, it, you're able to overlook that, which yeah. I think is, says a lot. You know, you can have the great effects, but if the story sucks, eventually those effects are going to old get old, and it's going to kind of... Tarnish the movie. With this movie, yeah. even though the effects have kind of downgraded and you can t- pick them out like that, yeah, the movie still holds up. It's still a great movie. Maybe it's just your DVD quality, but <laughs> the effects when I was watching it, they, they, I, it was easily overlooked for me. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, the, I, I, the only one that I really sticks out in my mind is when he jumps up and grabs and he has the cuts on his hands from the window. There's that one. And then there's the one where he holds his hand up to the gun and Funboy takes a shot and he holds his hands up and he's like oh, looking yeah. through it and like you can, they have the whole uh, heel, but it, it, look, it almost looks like a separate hand. Yeah. Like they just kind of slid another <laughs> hand up and like, hey, yeah. <laughs> bye. <laughs> I think that was around the time that uh, they were secretly using... Uh, computer-generated graphics. It was in 94, you know? so they were still... Which, yeah. actually, no, that's weird, though, because that's, like, the same year that Forrest Gump came out. 
The year before uh, Jurassic Park came out. Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, and that was... So they were already dabbling in CGI. It just depended yeah. on your budget, I'm guessing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, L.I.M. or... Because you also Steven got... Spielberg, you know, and George Lucas are buddies, so... And uh, uh, Stan Winston Studios. Officer Albert in it, brilliantly cast, <laughs> played by Mr. Ernie Hudson. He makes uh, he, he makes the character so lovable. Right. Yeah. Uh, the character that. in the book is actually a, it's actually a white cop that actually doesn't even have that big of a role in it. No. Um, but Ernie Hudson in it's fantastic. One of my favorite parts in it is the part where uh, he's looking. He's he's starting to piece it together, and he's in his apartment or whatever at night. And he's in his shirt and his boxers, and he still has his hat on. <laughs> and the crow shows up. And he, like, startles him. He's like, damn, you scared the shit out of me or something like that. And Crow just kind of looks at him. He's like, you still have your hat on. <laughs> it's just, it's such a dry thing that it's a, it's a good break. They have a couple good breaks for humor in well, the beginning even, there. Even at the end when, um, you know, it's the final stand. They're trying to work their way up the, the uh, church tower. Yeah. And Ernie Hudson goes up first and he gets shot and... Um, the crow comes up. He's like, "You were supposed to stay behind me." He's like, like I, "I messed up." I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, like, uh, and uh, you know, one of the things I always measure about as far as how good a movie is and how good how much it holds up is when you're sitting down and watching it and you don't want to get up to do anything, even though you have that pause button feature. But you still, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to get up. You want to keep watching it. And this movie has that for me. There's so many great key parts. It's, um, uh, it's kind of nice to know that uh, Bruce Lee, um, or Brandon Lee, sorry, uh, you said he was a uh, big fan of uh, The Crow. He helped get it moving along. So it's kind of yeah. nice to know that that... Uh, I don't know if the listeners know this or not, but he that was his final movie. Oh, I, I was going to say, everybody kind of knows what happened. Um, it's been a long The freak accident. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, I, I feel like that accident kind of sometimes overshadows yeah. the movie itself. I try not to focus on that because what happened happened that was yeah. over 20-some years ago. Yeah, um, like it was cursed or something. I've heard lots of stories. Well, that's the whole the family. Lee family. Yeah, and um, I just think it's you know. I actually, uh, I because I was really trying to beef up for this uh, show, so I watched. The, you know, they had the behind, behind the scenes features and the inter- interview oh, with the James DVD Omar. Had that? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I watched it, and uh, there's a great parts in there with interviews with uh, Brandon Lay. He just seems like a super, he just seems like a super cool guy. He seemed like he was really laid back. He was very articulate. That's all I ever hear. Sounded very intelligent. And they're talking about the making of the movie and stuff like that. And he was quoted in one part. He's like, you know, he's like, if I would have had it my way, he's like, the whole movie would have been shot in black and white. And then the flashbacks would have been in, in Technicolor. And, but sadly due to, and this is a direct quote, he said, sadly due to the reality of things, the very shitty reality of filmmaking, that just wasn't going to be possible. And I was like, that guy just seems like he really yeah, got it. It's really hard to do art in Hollywood. Um, and, and you know, it's weird. I always thought the part that he got shot at, 
I always thought the part it was the part where he stands on the table. That's what I thought too. And it it actually was not. It was actually the part where they were filming the break in at the apartment, and the gang members are holding him up, and they shoot him at that point blank range. That's actually when it happened. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. was just reading on. Uh... Well, Wikipedia. now that we're uh, just completely sad, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Every I don't want to stick on this for very long, but yeah, it said he. Um, uh, let's see, where is it? The uh, weapons coordinator had been sent home early that night, and they didn't have proper permission or something to use the the weapon. And one of the blanks got lodged, and it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's that. I could go completely like let's he's sad he's dead, but go back to I just have to say, I don't like how the city looked. And this is just me nitpicking living in a suburb of Detroit. It looked like a, a Tim Burton fucking ejaculate. Yeah. You know? Well, like I said, like even the architecture it didn't match Detroit. Yeah. It matched more of like Chicago or New York. And that right. seems like to be a reoccurring thing, I think, in movies. Were like, they trying to do a gothic thing? Yeah, I think the they're just trying to keep it in line with the overall feel yeah. of the movie. Because when right. you think of crows and stuff, I think naturally the, people the, are, I mean, the, the whole story is a very uh, gothic very theme. Very yeah. You know, the, the, uh, James O'Barr, he, he was, you know, one of the bands he discovered before he really started work was like Joy Division and, and really? stuff like that. Yeah, he's... Got really into it. Um, Detroit's got bleak down, all right? We could have went with that. <laughs> they are experts at but that. But I don't know. I, the architecture for the movie works so well. Yeah. The, the church, especially at the end. Uh, that, I mean, there's plenty of churches in Detroit that look, that have A that. Lot. Like the cathedral, I think I gothic feel. works really well you in see Detroit. You right from 75. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the original one. It, but still, yeah. it's, it's um, I, it seems like a reoccurring thing that Detroit gets really, like, mis- not miscast, but, like, that RoboCop remake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing. There was palm trees in there. They're, like, we are <laughs> northern state, all right? There are no palm trees growing around You know what movie has did more... It, did the remake take place in Detroit? It's still like Detroit, it's, yeah. You know really? what movie has more Detroit in it than, than that movie? Transformers? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, well, where, the where it's first actually, one. what, supposed to be L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Well, um, well, that was the one thing when... They're filming in Detroit. Like uh, the whole appeal of filming in Detroit has been, it looks destroyed. So we're gonna film. They filmed a Katrina movie in Detroit, really about Hurricane Katrina. And the only thing they had to do was add some palm fronds to the ground. They literally just go into an area and they're like, throw some scrap iron around. Wow. Which um, a friend of mine who was living in Detroit at the time when they were filming this. They had to hire security guards to watch the scrap iron they had on set. Oh, <laughs> yes. Scrappers would come in and steal the scrap while they're trying to film this Katrina movie. So that's probably why, I mean, and this was in, this movie was made in, uh, Crow was made in probably 93. 94. Well, it came out in 94, so probably made in 93. 93. Yeah. I'm not sure what the state of Detroit was at that point. I know it wasn't a sought out for, sought out for, Filming destination at that point, definitely not, because that didn't happen until I don't know a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. that was late two thousands. Well, if I remember correctly, because we we had a family friend that actually lived in Detroit, mm-hmm. and we would go down there and you know hang out or whatever. And I remember it at a young age being 
very, I don't know. Scary? Yeah. <laughs> Scary and run down. Like, I don't um, like, As white people, yeah. We, kind of, <laughs> well, we drive through it. It's terrible. Back know? on, like, uh, the movie, um, unfortunately, like, that movie alone is really the only good thing to come from the franchise as far as there's the comic book and then the movie and everything else that's kind of come after has not been nearly as good. Um, there have been three other sequels. Yeah, yeah um, a TV series. There's been a, there was a TV series that I, I, I didn't want to... Not s- a lot of people remember. I remember it a little bit. It was uh, The Crow Stairway to Heaven. It actually was... Yes, yes. It actually was Eric Draven in it. And the way <coughs> they got around it is because he killed... From what I understand, because he killed all the people... That wasn't what he was supposed to do. Really? So he had to go back and redo, <laughs> basically get redemption. So he had to basically keep, you know, doing this and that. Which to me, that kind of takes away like one of the best things about the yeah. crow. Stairway to Heaven was the title of the series? Yes. Yes. Stairway to Heaven, that's uh, um, that a song. Is a song. Yeah. No, I know what song. By what artist? It's uh, um, da, 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 da. Wow, we're really showing Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. And the whole music of The Crow, which I think we went into a little bit, it was very industrial and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't da- uh, The Downward Spiral, Nine Inch Nails, been a better title? Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, but if you remember, he's trying to gain redemption, so he's doing good acts. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's trying to get he's, to heaven so he can he, get back to He's trying to Shelley. get to the stairway to heaven. Um, it was a very weird show because... It was bad. He uh, it's he didn't back. he didn't have the makeup on like all the time. Yeah. Like, but when he was uh, instigated or was getting ready to fight, suddenly the makeup would magically appear. <laughs> really? It was really really goofy. It's like um, somebody had erased this from my memory. When you keep talking, he's coming back. <laughs> I thought the uh, somebody gave you the men in black. Just <laughs> yeah. forget all that. I'm not remembering it right, but I thought the uh, paint on his face, the white and black uh, it was, crow face, was permanent. It wasn't white it was and black like either in the show. If I remember correctly, <coughs> it was kind of like um, in the show. Like, a, like a, show. a soft like uh, flesh color. <clears throat> yeah, because he was supposed to look like a corpse. With right. the black. He was supposed to be kind of... Yeah. Was supposed to look like a, uh, a clown or something, but... Uh, yeah. And we just pulled up a picture of it, so feel free to pause the show and do so yourself. Um, he, just, he actually doesn't even look Asian. He looks more uh, like Native American. Is yeah. Malgatha race? Yes. <laughs> That's what he looks like. I feel like... He just looks sad. He does. He does I feel not like I'm having like... my own flashbacks. This was actually... It was actually originally a Canadian TV series, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That excuses them. <laughs> They're friendly people, you know. They make mistakes. Um, Good for them. Well, they've, they've got their own style. I, I think, uh, you know. Yeah, sugar high. You know, and <laughs> one of the syrup and donuts and coffee. One of the cool things about crazy the maple syrup um, mafia, the crow is. I know yeah, some you may, you would cast him under an antihero. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's almost not even that. Is the fact that in the movie, he even. Basically, he just wants to kill the people that did them wrong. Yeah. 
And when he shows up and he's at the table and, you know, of all these terrible criminals, he doesn't care about them. He just wants the one the guy. One guy. <laughs> and which is funny because he, you know, ends up killing a bunch of them anyways. Um, then, you know, the main villain and his sister girlfriend. James Franco lookalike. They, uh, they talk about how now they want to kill the crow. They want to kill him. If you would have just left him alone and not went after Sarah and, insti- and basically provoked him, he would have just went away. Yeah. Because he was getting ready. He was done. He was... <laughs> He got all his revenge in. Yeah, he was ready to cash out. Yeah. And then they went, and then they had to die, too. She got her eyes poked out. He Wasn't that, like, his sister, too? Was yeah, that's, yeah that's why I said sister wife. Yeah. It was some sort of... I, but it was weird because she was, like, super Asian, and he yeah, sounded yeah. like he was, like, a a, uh, a southern gentleman. <laughs> he, was, he was dressed like he was about the fucking sword fight. It was, he was, a re- that was really weird. I think that when I was younger, that was... I forgot like, about that eyes, the eyes, eyes being gouged up. Yeah, by the crow. Yeah. Absolutely. She gets fucked up. Didn't the the uh, person who gouged her eyes out have a thing for... Yeah, she like liked eyes. to gouge out people's she eyes she really and stuff like that. Or yeah, she was a real creep. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. She was. I, I remember that creeping me out really bad. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just been a long time since I've seen The Crow. I, the, I think the last time we watched it was <clears throat> on uh, October 30th, mm-hmm. uh, many uh, years ago, like eight many years ago. Ago. All of us were together, and we kept, yep, and we kept going, movie, fire it up, fire it up, fire it up. And the movie was all about, <coughs> all for you, about um, the, the gang, how to make uh, you, Tim, Tim. Uh, October 30th it was Devil's Night, and mm-hmm. they had to, you know, <laughs> make it a night that they, uh, Detroit remembers, you know, that they're... The gang of Detroit and uh, the crow comes in to sort of uh, stomp that out mm-hmm. as the anti-hero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Um, so there you go. Anyways, it's good, I it's a good Halloween. I still love this movie. movie. Like even I, I would figure like with the times, you know, all the movies we've got, yeah. kind of like what's happened with Spider Man Two and stuff like that. I kind of thought maybe I'd go back and watch it and be like, oh, hmm, all right. No, it holds up well as a classic. But it's, it is. I it need really to take is. more time out this uh, yeah. Halloween, this October. Buy the fucking Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't be you? like Mike. After you buy you Spider-Man 2 prick. on Blu-ray. I've been looking for I'll it. I'll get the crow. I found it. Uh, it's in the, in, the, in the bargain bin. Yeah. Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. it's the bargain bin. <laughs> I'm sure they're both in the bargain bin. <laughs> Um, we just live in the land of bargain bins. You're awfully quiet over there, Cody. Oh, I mean, I enjoy this movie. I treat it like, um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Substitute movies from back in the day. Jesus no, Christ. I remember that. It was basically like, um, small little plot of the movie is like, there's an inner city school full of gangs and everything like that. And then this ex-army dude comes in and kicks the ass of, you know, the gang that's taking Oh, you know what? That does sound familiar. It's a movie that, like, okay, so there's The Crow and then there's all its sequels and stuff like that. The original is good. Every sequel after, they're telling the same damn story, but they just don't do it as well. That's um, with every other iteration, every other almost like sequel a, and everything. Almost okay. like a Fantastic Four. If you <clears throat> yeah, like like a terrible Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> or a terrible Labyrinth. Oh! oh is there such a thing? He's no, there is probably. No. I quit. Is there such a thing? I quit if he's going... Actually, they did make a, a manga... Of uh, 
Labyrinth. Labyrinth, and Jareth is way too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> He's got such an anime face going um, on. I was about to say that. Like, you, you, you understand that it's a manga, right? Everybody has to be pretty. Either, uh, yeah. real quick, um, before we wrap this show up, um, as I said, I went back and I watched like the interviews and stuff with Brandon Lee. Loved it. He seemed like a hell of a guy. Um, and there's this quote that he does at the very end of it that has always stuck with me. I've always thought it was, it's from a book called uh, The Sheltering Sky. Quit making your stool squeak. I'm trying to get serious. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you can Sorry. go ahead. Move around. Shake your legs around. Uh, but it's from, it's from Sheltering Sky. And I actually have it pulled up here so I can read it because I can never remember it. Um, but the quote was, because we don't know when we will die, we get to think of life as an inexhaustible well. Yet everything happens only a certain number of times, and very small number, really. How many times will you remember a certain afternoon of your childhood? Some afternoon that's so deeply a part of your being that you can't even conceive of your life without it. Perhaps four or five times more. Perhaps not even that. How many more times will you watch the full moon rise? Perhaps 20. Yet it all seems limitless. So why are you sitting around here wasting your time listening to this podcast <laughs> when you should be out there living your life? Go live, exactly. damn it! Go! We're going to do that too, I promise you. Nah. Yeah, go look at the moon, you sad waste of... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I just struck a chord with Mike. <laughs> All Congratulations. Right. Well, let's go take our depression medication. So everybody have <clears throat> a uh, fantastic Halloween... We're going to be back next week, and this next week we're going to be discussing some of our favorite anti-heroes in comics. Ooh. I got a good one. Uh, feel free to look us up on the Twitter. Look us up on Facebook. We also have a Gmail. Kapowcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Twitter is uh, at Kapowcast, and the Facebook is... Kapowcast 2015. Yep. Because I just wanted to throw a year in there. (laughs) So we can remember this ten years down the line. Yes. So everybody, have a great Halloween. Be safe. Don't eat any razor blades. (laughs) (laughs) They don't just pass out razor blades. They're in the apples, you know? No, I'm actually, I just have a a bag full of razor blades. I'm just throwing it. So that's why we don't get any trick-or-treaters here. (laughs) It is. Oh, that makes sense. They ate razor blades and now have bleeding gums. Wow. And we will see you all next week on Kapowcast. Till then, I am Mike. I'm Tony. I'm Nutty. No, I'm Mikey. <laughs> Cody. We'll see you next week on Kapowcast. <laughs>